0: G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings.
1: G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Oh, good, thanks, Rowan. I've got a slightly scratchy voice, but, uh, but generally feeling good, so yeah, good to
0: be here with you. Oh, it's good to be with you for a great topic, and as always, soldiering on through, which is good to see, Dad, but... We've got a really interesting topic today. I'm very much looking forward to this one. It's a bit of a a different take on things and, and one that I don't think you'd mentioned that you'd seen much before. So we've called today's episode Strengthening Our Resilience to Stress and Strain. So I suppose first of all, it might be worth mentioning where you got the idea for today's episode from. I believe there was maybe a student who helped you out with the idea for today's episode.
1: Yes, it was something that intrigued me that came up from a question of a student. And so I was involved in this panel of people with different kinds of experience presenting to some positive psychology students, invited by Tayeb Rashid, who's a leader in the positive psychotherapy field. And so it was great to be able to address this group of students. And at the end of our presentations, a student mentioned that she had an engineering background And she wondered whether in psychology people differentiated the terms stress and strain as they do in engineering. Well, I've heard about talking about stress in psychology as being related to how people might talk about stress in engineering that we'll come to shortly, but I hadn't really heard of this differentiation of terms between stress and strain. So I looked into it and I thought... This is really interesting. There really are some insights from engineering that might help our understanding of mental health and stress and strain.
0: What is it? A fascinating idea and even just having a little bit of a think about it, there seems to be quite a few terms that we get in psychology from engineering, like as you mentioned, stress, strain, even things like resilience, strength, integrity, like these are engineering terms at their core. But we have almost borrowed them in psychology and as you say, I I think there is that very interesting differentiation between the terms in engineering that maybe we don't use so much in the just everyday vernacular, like stress and strain are a little bit interchangeable in some ways. But I think when we do look at, say, the difference between them and and maybe think about, say, the engineering terms and how they would apply to psychology, it can lead to further insight. So it does sound like a, a very interesting topic that we'll be speaking about, but maybe just to start, do you want to start by? maybe differentiating those terms, stress and strain, as to maybe how they're used in engineering? OK, well, we'll start off with stress. And so I'd long known this, that in psychology we
1: borrow the term stress from engineering, where in engineering it basically means the amount of external force applied to a specific area of material. So if we can think of a, of a nut or a bolt or a joint on a machine, and we can think of different pressures or forces ...on that particular material object. And so that's the level of stress that there is on the object. Now, sometimes in psychology we talk about stress like it's almost like symptoms. Oh, these are my reactions. Oh, I'm feeling stress about this. So we use it in that subjective sense of our personal experience. But in psychology we also talk about being under stress... ...or there being stress on us when it means the equivalent thing. It's some kind of external pressure that's bearing on us in some way. It might relate to work demands or a challenge that we face or a difficult conflict situation. So we can think of stress in those terms as well.
0: And how about strain? Because we talk about stress in a way that sometimes maybe there's good stress that we can have, and we'll expand on this a little bit later, but also maybe bad stress that we have. But strain seems to be a little bit more explanatory in terms of maybe some of the negative consequences that can come from it.
1: Yes, the notion of strain, it sort of gets across the notion of something being a bit difficult or awkward, the idea of strain. So what strain means in engineering is that the material that's had stress applied to it has altered its shape in some way. In other words, it's deformed in some way, it's changed its form. So we could think of a stretched rubber band or we could think of a bent tent peg or something like that or we could think of a sponge that's been squeezed. Something has changed its shape in some
0: way. So in other words, there's some visible impact on it. And I think a rubber band's a a good analogy in some ways, a bit of a metaphor to think about this as. Like if we stretch a rubber band, maybe not overly forcefully, well, it's likely to return to the original rubber band shape and it can be used as a rubber band again. But then every so often you can maybe strain the rubber band a little bit too far and it just loses its integrity a little bit. It maybe is a little bit flimsy, it doesn't quite stretch as well and go back to its original shape. And obviously it's maybe not as functional as it had been before being strained in many ways. So I suppose we could almost think about ourselves in these terms too, where we can go through a bit of stress and it might, for lack of a better term, bend us out of shape in a certain way for a little while, but it may not have that strain aspect where it, there's this maybe element of permanence to it or where, a deformity in a way. Whereas with strain, it does seem to allude to the fact that there are maybe some, you know, ongoing symptoms for the rubber band in terms of, you know, it's not, necessarily as strong as it was, can't stretch as much. Well, maybe we can look at ourselves in the same way through that lens of maybe ongoing symptoms from maybe being overstressed in a certain way. Yes, now that's where I found it fascinating. There are certain engineering terms
1: about types of strain that relate to just what you said there. And for example, there's elastic strain. Elastic strain means something when the stress is no longer applied will get back to its original shape. So it's like the rubber band that is stretched a certain amount. You let it go and it's back to its normal shape. And so it might be also, I suppose, a sponge. You press it to a certain amount and largely it'll probably return, if it hasn't been pressed too hard, to its original shape. We call that elastic strain. So it's kind of reversible. But then there's this other idea of plastic strain. Plastic strain means that it's been irreversibly changed in shape so there's some more permanent lasting impact for example like the bent tent peg or as you say if a rubber band stretched too far or held too long that way you let it go and it doesn't get back quite to that original tightness so there's some plastic strain on it as well. So just generally that idea if we had a long piece of plasticine for example and we bent it or putty and we adjusted it, you'd get that plastic strain. In other words, a more lasting kind of strain. And when you think about that, like you were suggesting earlier, I suppose when it comes to certain types of stress, if we get a bit bent out of shape for a while, like the elastic strain, but we go back pretty much to our original state, then there's probably not too much problem with that. But if we find that we remain a bit bent out of shape, we're showing the lasting kind of reactions or signs of having been under stress that might be more problematic. That's when we're getting more to that
0: plastic strain. And then this is something that we might elaborate on even a little bit further into the podcast. But then another term, for example, I believe is called yield point, which is basically like breaking point, which interestingly is another term that we borrow from engineering in psychology. But what's maybe the yield point of an object? Okay, so the yield point
1: is the amount of stress that a material can withstand before it's more permanently bent out of shape, before you get that plastic strain or deformation. So I suppose in terms of a psychological equivalent, we want to be aware of that threshold of stress above which we think, hey... This might have more lasting consequences. We might have noticed in the past we might have had a couple of busy days in a row. We might have a bit of a worry about something. But then give it a few days and things will sort out. We'll be back to our normal self. Whereas if we think of times in the past, oh, no, actually, when that stress went on to that extent or for that long, no, that really did leave some lasting signs on me for a while then that's getting to that kind of yield point. We want to be sensitive to that kind of threshold beyond which we're not likely to bounce back so quickly and we want to then address the stress ahead of time and not sort of push to or beyond that yield point, if we can help it at all, because then we're more likely to be able to prevent the more significant stress reactions or burnout or some lasting
0: kind of symptoms. And so I'm starting to get a bit of a sense now of maybe there's different terms and, and obviously the engineering definitions and maybe a little bit of how they relate to psychology and it seems to me that part of what they do is to maybe differentiate between the intensity of different stresses. So I suppose just maybe in everyday language we mainly have this term stress so as we said before it's a little bit hard to differentiate between say good stress and, and maybe stress that has a, a bit of a lasting negative impact. And I remember from a previous episode that we did called Discerning Your Stress Signature that in psychology, in many ways, to differentiate between the different stresses, we have this maybe aspect of ourselves called a stress signature. So I wonder if you could just elaborate on that a little bit. For example, what is a stress signature and maybe how could it relate to some of these different terms that we've spoken about so far? Okay, and just for a sec, before I talk
1: about the stress signature, I really like the point that you raised earlier, that some kind of stress is not going to be that harmful to us. Actually, in some ways, it can even be helpful. And they used to call this u-stress, E-U stress, compared to distress. So distress, you know, upsetting, difficult, challenging, probably more that plastic strain side of things. But u-stress. It's when we can be mobilised actually under a moderate level of stress when people feel they can manage it, it actually can be mobilising, it can help our focus and our motivation, we can actually have improved cognitive functioning because we're paying attention to things, we're drawing on our resources more actively, it actually can lead to neuroplasticity. So a moderate level of stress, well I suppose exercise, physical exercise can lead to neuroplasticity which is the formation of new neurons and connections between them like synapses and all the rest of it. Now our brains grow not just with physical exercise but also with moderate stress when we're kind of learning. And any kind of new learning when you think about it is a kind of adaptation so therefore there's some kind of stress involved but it might be good. You know, like we often will put ourselves under a certain kind of challenge. And we know, for example, when we've talked about positive states like flow states, often people are more likely to be in a state of flow when they're drawing on their top skills and strengths and put in a genuinely challenging situation where there's actually some feedback how you're going. Like a fantastic downhill skier and they're just at one with a mountain would be one example we've talked about in the past. Now, that, that's, that's stressful. But it's also magnificent, you know, someone wins a gold medal or just even gets a lot of satisfaction from their training for something like that. Now there's a challenge. All people in any sporting field, they're stretching themselves, that's good to do. Any student is trying to learn new things, they go for exams that are potentially stressful but it's an opportunity to show what you know and consolidate what you know. So we know that a lot of Well, everyday life stresses, especially when we choose to do something because we find it meaningful or worthwhile, it's a challenge that we take on, that's often that healthy kind of stress. But even then, as a student or someone training in a particular sport or someone trying to do well in their work or someone looking to be a good parent or be a good friend to someone who's struggling in certain kind of ways we can find these meaningful kind of roles where there's a degree of challenge to it, but it helps bring out some of the best in us. So let's start off acknowledging that, like you were highlighting earlier. Stress can be a good thing. However, it can get out of hand. And like you said, it really helps to be aware of our stress signature. And what that means is we're aware of, what's that threshold when we're going to start to get more mild symptoms? So we notice, oh, look, I'm... A little bit preoccupied with this. I notice I've got a little bit of tightness around my shoulders, for example. I'm feeling a little bit nervous about this situation, but not too much. Let's say mild stress. At moderate stress, we might find that we're... Again, carrying a little bit more tightness in our body. We're a little bit more preoccupied with something. It's affecting our concentration or sleep a bit. We might be a little bit more irritable. And we might recognise, well, that's more moderate stress. And then severe stress. We notice how it's impacting on our sleep and our mood might be getting more low and we're starting to make mistakes and be forgetful. You know, it's more significant again. It's worth being aware of our stress signature. So rather than waiting until things get to that more severe stage... If we address it when it's more the mild, moderate stage, especially the mild stage, it's more likely to be elastic strain rather than plastic strain, leave that lasting kind of difficulty. And when we think of our stress signature that way, it actually overlaps with a term used in engineering, which is our stress-strain curve, or a material's stress-strain curve. So many materials will be able to absorb a certain level of stress before they start bending, like if you've got say a wooden ruler in your hand or a wooden stick and you start bending it, then you'll notice that there's some of that strain starting to show. But at first you might apply a tiny bit of pressure and the stick hardly bends at all. But more it starts bending further, and that notion is if you kept on going it would break kind of thing. That would be you know more severe um, stress on the stick so to speak. So there's this idea of our stress strain curve. All materials have a stress-strain curve and so, for example, with a stick in our hands, we're looking to bend it up to a certain point, apply some stress, not much change in the shape of the stick. But the more we bend it or the more pressure we apply, then you notice the change in that. And a hardwood will bend less than something like bamboo or a very light thin stick will bend even more so it's recognizing what our own characteristics are in how we respond to certain kind of stresses and get a sense from our past experience how much of the strain of a certain point when that finishes up do we get back to our original shape so it's more elastic or no I've learned from past experience when I kept on going with that level of burnout I was actually at risk of getting mild depressive symptoms and not thinking so straight and having sleep problems. No, I'm better off attending to this sooner rather than later, because you know it's my stress signature is getting more advanced. Again, it's just like material objects and stress, recognizing when we're getting to those points where the strain is getting such it's more problem than it's worth. and There's a risk even of of breaking or the
0: equivalent of just not being able to function well at all and so in many ways it seems to me that what we're trying to do partly with this episode is to find within ourselves or recognize within ourselves what that point is when for example you know we apply as much stress that is required to maybe strain us in a way or, or get us to that point where there's going to be longer lasting impacts and what I wonder then is how on earth do you do that because it strikes me when talking about say the stress signature like with our mild moderate and severe stress there's going to be responses that we have and in many ways they're going to be stress reduction techniques at that time so there might be some things that we do in that moment that might make us feel a little bit better in terms of you know we're a little bit irritable in a way but you know maybe there is a slight dopamine hit we'd sort of just you know run in your mouth in a certain way and well and you're maybe not as stressed later on and even you know, feeling a little bit bad about sort of going down that road so you put things in place to not necessarily get to that level of stress again but thinking about that and and within myself like I oh, look back at times nothing it's mainly say after the time that I've been stressed that I've been able to recognize what that point is that maybe it went a little bit just beyond, say, the quote-unquote normal or, or manageable is probably a better word for it, the manageable form of stress. So how on earth do we discern what that point is at which there is maybe that bit more strain on us?
1: Okay, look, I think one of the things, again, gaining from this engineering idea is it almost comes down to arithmetic. There's a certain amount of stress of a certain type we're likely to experience before we do have that impact, get bit out of shape, so to speak, and where do we become aware of that? It's looking to reflect on this very issue itself and being honest with ourselves, being open with ourselves. What have we noticed in the past? Being sensitive to our body, feelings in our body, and that includes things like our sleep and our appetite, how that might have been affected by stresses in the past. Notice our emotions so being attuned to when we do feel frustrated or irritated or, or tired or distressed in some way, just being honest with ourselves about that. Our emotions are so helpful, including our painful emotions, what we'd otherwise call our negative emotions. Actually, it's all feedback. In a sense, there's no such thing as a negative emotion. Our emotions, our feelings are giving us feedback about how we're traveling in the world at the moment. And so it's being open to noticing that. Then it's noticing our thoughts, when our thoughts maybe become more troubled or repetitive or a bit rigid or stuck, and also noticing our relationships. So whether there's a little bit more conflict, whether we're not connecting as well, a bit more withdrawn – and so for example if we're thinking more negatively that might also reflect in our relationships in some ways how other people are responding to us that in turn might affect our body and our feelings again listening to our body listening to our feelings listening to our thoughts and noticing our relationships and when we have that kind of openness to respond to that and when we recognize hey wait a minute i'm showing some strain now This is actually showing up and if our family members or friends make a comment to us, look, are you okay or you seem a bit tired or I notice you've seen a little bit quieter lately or something like that, that's probably a signal from a caring person telling us that they see something a little bit different about us. That's probably a sign of strain meaning visible impact of stress. So it's just paying attention to that, especially if you know someone's likely mentioning it with goodwill. It's being open to pick up that feedback and then looking at past experiences and history, being honest with ourselves
0: about that. And I suppose to extend that idea in some ways, like I wonder if maybe we could look at this strain idea as maybe not even when someone goes out of their way to say that that something is maybe different in you demeanour or your mood or whatever it is like we could potentially even think within ourselves about that and I wonder if for example if it's more strainful when for example it affects say that our communication it affects maybe our relationships in a way like maybe our functionality isn't as if we're you know firing on all cylinders for lack of a better term there is maybe this aspect that something's you know maybe getting in the the way for us a little bit i wonder if that's maybe a good way to say differentiate between say that stress and then maybe the strain aspect Yes I think that's actually a very good suggestion
1: like in a way what I pick up from what you're saying there is if something affects our roles in our everyday life so you know one day we're a bit stressed fair enough or even a week we're a bit more stressed and like all of us were dealing with that when say the pandemic first hit there was a lot of stress on us and that no doubt that would have shown often in different kinds of strains as well but Overall, in the scheme of things, it's normal to have everyday stresses that come up and yet we'll be continuing on in our work and our relationships and our leisure pursuits and so those kind of roles. But if something is affecting our roles, like we're not so efficient in our work, we're a little bit more distant or not connecting as well or more irritable in our relationships... Or just say we're not engaging in our social activities as much or we're not keeping up a leisure activity or routine like going to the gym or going for regular walks that we normally do. It's just noticing those kind of more ongoing routines and roles in our everyday life, if
0: they're affected, then that's more of a, more of a sign. And I wonder if another thing, I'm quite enjoying these engineering terms, Dad, and maybe applying them to psychology in some ways. And I believe there's maybe a couple of other say types of stress within engineering that we could look at and apply to psychology as well. And the first one of those that we'll talk about is called compressive stress. So, First of all, what is compressive stress? Okay, so in engineering, like compressive stress, like the
1: idea of compression, like pressing, so there's that force being applied to a particular spot, like pushing down on it kind of thing. So that could include, say, pushing or squeezing something, pressuring something. It could be bending something. So there's, it's compressing the kind of you know, stress at that particular point. So in a psychological sense, I'd think that is the equivalent of, say, stress is on us like burnout. Something's pressing on us. or we've got extra demands for a particular period of time. And so the demands on us, are there's more of them. Or otherwise, uh, the demands on us are
0: for a longer time, that would be more compressive stress. And so... Maybe for, for this section, I think maybe the metaphor of a bridge is a really good one. Obviously, in engineering, it's a bit, you know, engineering 101, I imagine, to be talking about bridges. But I imagine the idea of if we've got a bridge, you know, maybe between two banks of a river, compressive stress would be, for example, a lot of weight on top of the bridge. And so that's maybe putting some strain on the bridge at that area or wherever it is and as you say like we could have maybe different demands on us that could be placing a lot of weight on us in a particular way and so maybe if we think about how are we stressed at the moment you know how is my stress feeling to me how's it showing up oh it's you know this thing that you know I'm really stressed about I've got to go and do or there's this event coming up and maybe that's stressing me out in a certain way Well, that's maybe a bit of a hint that it's this compressive stress that we have on us. I suppose the other aspect of that is maybe to diffuse some of that level of stress. Well, we can look at it and say, well, we've got maybe too much of a load on us in this situation where maybe being a bit compressed from all our demands and feeling a little bit burnt out. Well, maybe we can remove some of that stress by maybe fiddling with the demands that we have on us at at that time. If we remove some of those, there's likely to be less stress on us overall, but as we're talking about it now, this almost compressive stress, we don't have as much kind of pushing down on us in a particular way, and so that can help us maybe alleviate that stress.
1: I think that's a very good way of putting it. The whole idea then would be to lighten the load, and that's what we get with burnout, burnout. If we recognise it's from the amount of demands on us, can we reduce those demands? There might be some things that are not that important to do. Or can we draw on supports to spread out the demands a little bit further? The idea of many hands make light work. So it's easier when there are more people spreading out the stress over a wider range of things. So that's if we're involved in different groups or in a family setting or a group of friends involved in organising something. The more that people chip in, the less there'll be that demand on any particular individuals, the less likely there'll be strain on those particular individuals when people spread out the load a bit more. But also recognising our own stress signature and being prepared to put up our hand And say if we want our work colleagues or others or friends in a particular task to maybe help out a little bit more or we're looking to let go of a particular responsibility for a period of time or something like that, basically if we manage the demands on us – We're more likely to be able to take on constructive responsibilities and roles and accept a certain level of stress in our lives because it's the good stress, it's productive, it's helpful, it's making a difference kind of thing, but without getting to that
0: undue strain. And I like that even about, say, spreading the load. Like in some ways, I was thinking about it more of, say, reducing the demands, reducing that load on us. But if we go maybe back to our bridge metaphor, it seems that there's Maybe a couple of approaches that we can have. We can either remove some of the weight, so maybe some of the burden of the demands that we do have on us, or we can strengthen the bridge, as you say, by maybe accessing some further resources or further support that we do have. So I like that term, Dad. But if we look at, say, tensile stress, which is another engineering term that we're going to be speaking about today, what is tensile stress? Okay
1: and again having a little bit of a play about how this might apply in psychology but tensile stress in engineering is when there's a force that's like pulling things apart and so you can imagine maybe if you're grabbing a well, an elastic band and you're pulling it tightly in either direction that would be tensile stress or you grab an object or a stick or something like that and you're pulling from either end that would be tensile stress and so It interests me in psychology to think, what's something in psychology which is like a pulling apart kind of stress? And you think, well, what if people are in certain kinds of conflict situations, including internal conflict? What if someone is being expected to do something which is against what they think is their best interests or, in a sense, it's against their values? Or someone with a partner or a friend might want to approach things in one way but that's sort of in a sense competing with or maybe interfering with another person's interests or vice versa that's almost like that pulling apart that tensile stress or even another internal conflict what about well do I take this job or do I not take this job I'm feeling torn now that's giving a hint of tensile stress it's being pulled in different directions or there might be certain relationship conflicts of being pulled in different directions And funnily enough, I thought, well, that reminds me a little bit of what we did recently in that chair work episode. Just say if you're torn in different directions, like will I take this job or not? In chair work, you act out each side of the pull, so to speak, each side of this tension to get more of a balance. Or if there are parts of ourselves in conflict, hey, part of me wants to do this, but part of me would rather approach it like that. And sometimes we've talked of acting out the different parts in it, in different chairs and seeing if you get a more integrated kind of response so maybe there are aspects of stress in psychology which are more like that
0: tensile stress we feel a little bit of pulling apart and so this concept of tensile stress and how it relates to psychology reminds me of something we've spoken a little bit about on the podcast in the past but it's this idea of things almost coming apart to come together in a new way And so even with chair work, the way that we spoke about that a couple of episodes ago, the idea of, for example, separating our parts out and looking at them all in isolation in a way to then kind of reassemble them in a more integrated, maybe even more reinforced way, we're extending this to the metaphor of the bridge again. Like It seems to me that what we want to do maybe under a situation of tensile stress is to reinforce ourselves in a way in terms of yeah maybe looking at the forces that are pulling us apart and then in doing that it probably helps us to almost be in the middle and a little bit more reinforced and a little bit stronger
1: yes well it's interesting what you bring up there because something we know from research in positive psychology psychology generally is the benefit of people finding meaning in their lives and being aware of values So the more we have that sense of our own values, our interests, our integrity, what we want to do, people can withstand more stress and more demands and manage with it well if people have more of that sense of their own true north is one way of putting it, our own direction. And so that even shows up with the research on stress and inflammation we know that people tend to get an inflammation response like this physical health inflammation response which is an example of strain an objective example of strain in psychology and with our physical health we know that people are more likely to get that physical inflammation response if they're in situations such as trauma caring roles burnout uh, some major adjustment in life in certain ways. So, the different things that are objectively stressful. But if people find a high level of meaning in what they're doing, then people tend not to get that inflammation response so much. So, if someone is a volunteer in a particular area and they get a lot of sense of meaning about their role as an emergency worker, they're in some ways less likely to have, say, trauma responses if they're exposed to a very challenging kind of situation. But again, the the engineering principles remind us that there are certain levels of stress that even then are likely to show up a certain kind of strain. So don't try and be superheroes necessarily. Don't expect yourself to be superhuman. You know There are limits, but by the same token, the more we have a sense of, purpose meaning awareness of our values direction in life the more likely we are to tolerate and manage with certain stresses without the more undue
0: well what we're calling now plastic strain and so if we apply these terms tensile stress and compressive stress to maybe the the yield point that we spoke about earlier it's it's getting a little bit complicated now with some of the engineering terms but if we go pretty basic with it it seems to me this idea of say the yield point is when maybe the demands on us are too much that there is maybe that longer lasting strain or maybe we're being pulled apart like the tensile kind of stress we're being pulled in too many directions and we're just not able to carry on in the same way that we were without maybe those levels of stress on us so i suppose yeah it's uh, interesting idea looking at these engineering ideas but it just strikes me that there is that relevance there with psychology like we can almost look at ourselves and go yeah maybe there are situations where i'm feeling a bit strained because there's so many demands on me or maybe i just feel like i'm being pulled in so many different directions that there are these longer lasting issues that i'm going to have yes i
1: think what you're saying there implies something else like there's another point that things could go to aren't there where if something breaks and now, interestingly, in engineering, that's where they use the term strength. But they use strength in a couple of different ways as well. There's yield strength, and that's the amount of stress that you can withstand or a material can withstand without being more permanently bent out of shape, so to speak, or that plastic deformation, that plastic strain. But also, things could be if you like, bent or stretched or pulled to the point where they break. Now, apparently there's a term for that which is called ultimate tensile strength. So that's how much stress something can withstand before it actually breaks. Well, we certainly want to address it before that point. And look, I'll mention as we're talking, it does bring to mind something I've talked about before. At a personal level, when I didn't manage that at all well, When I was in my early 30s, I think I was about 32 years of age and I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital with severe depression. Now what had happened is I'd been withstanding certain kind of stresses, build-ups for quite a period of time. It included challenges in the hospital setting where I was working. There were all sorts of things that were happening there and a range of different types of stresses. But what happened is I kept on trying to soldier on, soldier on, soldier on, and it reached a certain point. Well, where I broke in a sense in terms of that yield strength. I wasn't just sort of bent out of shape with some sort of, you know, more ongoing kind of signs or symptoms, but Actually, I couldn't function anymore. So that's the equivalent of of breaking, I suppose. What originally people would have called like a nervous breakdown. I don't think of that because we're actually not cars. We're not inanimate ob- objects, kind of thing. But there's a point of thinking of that as being like a kind of breaking point. Now, what happened then is I looked back and I realized there'd been many times further, well, at least several times further in my life, in well, in the past, where I'd reached quite a level of advanced strain and did not realise the risk that I was taking. I did not realise how close I was potentially to getting to a breaking point. It was only when I had that severe depression to the point I had to stop work for, well, six months and I had to go into hospital and need that help to recover and fortunately different things really helped me get going and I learned a lot from the process and I don't regret it now because of the learning that I had from it. But actually one of the learnings from it was... I recognised where my breaking point was. And it might have been a fairly advanced breaking point. It took a lot to get me to that point. But by the same token, I'd been closer to that in the past than I'd realised. I hadn't realised how much strain in the past I just thought I should just be putting up with. And it's like almost like an overly, whether it's partly, talked about unrelenting standards I had at the time or things like that, or whether it's trying to be kind of stoic in some kind of misguided way but that certainly taught me to appreciate more the value of acknowledging your vulnerability which what we're talking about now that's partly acknowledging what your yield points are and recognizing when the strain kicks in because if that keeps on going then it's going to reach
0: potentially a breaking point and we don't want that and so what i'm taking from this is like all those terms, you know, yield point, yield strength, all this sort of stuff. Even I'm getting a little bit confused. I can see now I didn't go into engineering, Dad, but it seems to me that there's basically a point at which our stress can become longer lasting and give us, say, more prolonged issues. And then there's maybe a point at which we break, like that term breaking point, like, again, maybe an engineering term that we use in psychology. And just as you were describing that there, it strikes me that, there is maybe, say, like, a balance to be found with this sort of stuff in terms of we don't want to just go, oh, no, there's there's stress on me, so I'm just going to shut up shop because I don't want it to get to strain. But, like, for example, when I was thinking back to the pandemic, for example, and we're all in that stressful situation back then, and I remember there was this sense of people talking about, you know, everyone was working from home and, you know, for the sake of everyone's mental health, there was almost this idea of, you know, if you're really struggling for that day, you know, don't push on just for the sake of pushing on like it's a you know, objectively stressful situation with all of us at home but in myself like I almost struggled in some ways to find the balance with that in terms of I didn't want to just go oh you know what it's a crap day it's a crap situation I'm just going to shut up shop and I don't know watch tv like I certainly wouldn't have enjoyed maybe watching tv on a work day but at the same time I think it was worth in that situation thinking hold on you know a little bit like you're talking about with you know, recognizing that there are these points at which it maybe causes a little bit more damage to us, it is worth thinking in some situations, hold on, I'm reaching maybe a point that's a little bit more serious, I'm noticing some of my stressful symptoms maybe accelerate in certain ways and so maybe if we think about these ideas and these terms, it can help us to maybe find that balance between the times when, we are feeling stressed and we don't necessarily want to just shut up shop for the sake of avoiding stress but at the same time we do want to recognize that hold on there are situations which can be very stressful and can cause issues and longer term problems for us so in those situations we do maybe want to take our foot off the accelerator a little bit and whether it is look to spread the load and add to our resources or, or reduce some of the demands or whether it is to look to maybe go within ourselves and maybe pull things apart to then come back together in a different way but it just strikes me that if we look at things through these terms it maybe gives us a bit more of a hint as to maybe a time where it is good to soldier on for lack of a better term and a time when it is good to maybe take your foot off the accelerator and maybe step back and realize that there are those more longer lasting issues that can come from maybe a point of being a particular level of stress
1: Yes, well, I think there's a lot in that and what you were saying about the pandemic and a lot of people going through that kind of challenge, I think one of the worthwhile things that's come out of that is it's more normal now and accepted for people to be able to talk about their mental health or prioritising mental health as a significant and worthwhile thing. I found also many people who worked in small business settings, people who might have run their own businesses and like I might have seen a number of people as clients who were really concerned about their staff and the welfare of their staff and how people were managing with things because everyone realised it was normal for there to be more strain and many more people accessed psychological services through that time than before. There was a lot of, um, if you like, destigmatization, a lot less stigma of people acknowledging having the experience of Well, stress or strains, because just like in engineering, it's normal. Any machine is going to have stresses and potentially strains through wear and tear. Well, people as well, and that's natural. And so I think this idea of normalising, the idea that there are likely to be stresses and strains that we face in our everyday life, and we don't have to catastrophise about that, it's more about how we manage with it, then I think that's the encouraging kind of thing.
0: Well, I think that's very true and I'd certainly echo that with even, you know, my group of friends who are a bit younger and all that sort of stuff wouldn't necessarily have been in, say, positions of, you know, business management all that sort of stuff. But I've certainly noticed that since the pandemic, everyone is a lot more ready to maybe spread the load in certain ways. And if someone speaks up saying, you know, I'm a little bit stressed... Well, people maybe even know a little bit more about what to do in that situation and what can be helpful. So I'd certainly agree with that, Dad. But we've just got one more engineering term that I want to go through, and that's fatigue stress. So what what is fatigue stress? OK, now, it's acknowledged
1: in engineering that just say if you have a piece of playground equipment and kids are playing on it every day, there might be a certain kind of hinge or joint or something like that. Now, in engineering... They look at what happens with a particular part that gets used or pressured, if you like, stressed, again and again and again and again, and recognising that over a period of time there can be fatigue. So we've heard of metal fatigue, for example. Well, naturally in engineering you have to recognise that if something is going to be stressed again and again and again, you need to reinforce it. And I think that is really helpful to consider for psychology. If we're in a situation that we've managed 50 times before, but it's stressful, like, great, and we've been a bit strained, you know, good on us, it might be worthwhile, but don't just assume the 51st and the 52nd time, it'll be just the same thing. Because if we've been doing something very demanding over quite a period of time, it might be worth either having a break or doing something a little bit different or reinforcing our strength in that that area in whatever kind of way. So not just assuming we can keep on going on without wear and tear. Now the main example I can think of that, say in the trauma field, would be like emergency workers or it could have been people who are repeatedly facing certain challenging situations. And we used to have sometimes that notion that a person's gone out for their maybe 500th time to deal with a car accident or something like that and for some reason that was the straw that broke the camel's back now not saying that everybody's going to have this experience there'll be a sudden catastrophic reaction people have it's just like don't take for granted that just because we've been experiencing something again and again and again it's been stressful that we should just keep on doing that in the same way. It might be people caring for an ill relative or people who've got escalated demands for quite a period of time that they've been managing with for quite some time and people can maybe lapse into the idea of, oh, I should just keep on doing this because I have been doing it for like a year and a half. Well, maybe there's a degree of fatigue that sets in. So just being mindful of that aspect as well and factoring that in, that there's likely to be a, a degree of wear and tear, maybe more strain if we repeatedly face certain kinds of stresses.
0: Well, this reminds me of that saying that, you know, I use it a fair bit, but it's almost like the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of over time, you know, it's not as if there's a whole lot of extra weight on us in you know, a particular situation, but maybe over time there is that build-up of, stress that has maybe caused a tiny little bit of damage each time and then it does cause a little bit more strain and what that makes me realize here is that obviously we've spoken about the st- stress signature we've spoken about that on a previous podcast too which i'll link up on today's episode page at au. but Even though we do have our stress symptoms and maybe our stress reactions that we can recognize, maybe there's also some stress that goes on under the surface that we don't recognize as much. And maybe we need to, you know, whether we have self care routines or ways of, I suppose, just taking ourselves out of that stressful situation just for a little while to maybe recover a little bit and then we can go a lot better in the long run like with physical exercise for example that's something that we do where it's inherently stressful on the body that's what makes us grow and get stronger and bigger and all that sort of stuff but one of the main things about physical exercise is you need to recover like even if you're training for a marathon you know you you don't just start straight away and just start trying to run marathons there's almost this you know build up period and then you recover a little bit but with stress Inherently they're nearly always stresses that are on us all the time. So it's so much harder to get that break and recovery from stress. But what this concept of fatigue stress is making me realise in some situations is even when we don't recognize it, we may not necessarily feel stressed, but We can recognise that our our situation is a little bit stressful in some ways, like when you were speaking about maybe caring for a loved one. Like, of course, we're going to do that and we're going to want to do that and put everything that we have into that. But it might not be maybe showing on the surface each time that we maybe call upon our resources in a way that it is causing us some even small level of damage in that situation.
1: Yes, and look, actually, one thing that I was reminded of is what you were describing there, like reinforcing ourselves so we've got a little bit more up our sleeve to deal with even unexpected situations. It reminds me that many clients I see do very well by working out they've got their own formula for well-being and maintaining a high level of mental health, withstanding more challenges, and it, it's often got a combination of a number of things – it's often got some level of physical fitness or exercise to it. That, that's one of the main things that tends to come up. And part of it is having positive social relationships, keeping some connection with, again, the supports that people have in their lives in certain ways. But just say individually, physical exercise is often part of it. For a number of people, it's actually taking medication for a particular kind of conditional challenge they have. I know one person with schizophrenia and... One of the most stabilising things that he could do, actually I know many people with schizophrenia have been in this situation, is number one is take the medication, which gives people a lot more capacity to withstand certain stresses without undue strain. So there are a number of situations I've known of where people have benefited greatly from medication that way, and that's a classic example for many people, say with schizophrenia chronic schizophrenia it can make so much of a difference to people's well-being but then exercise then it might be some kind of leisure activity that people engage in like i know a lot of people can recharge their batteries very well from for example surfing or swimming where it's also being amongst nature for someone else it might be going for a walk as a regular part of that for other people it includes something like meditation or yoga or even prayer might be part of their formula other people it might be also managing say work hours within a certain kind of balance or some demands within a certain kind of balance without going over that but when people work out their own recipe and these are guidelines that help and it includes some things where people can recharge their batteries So both a physical exercise kind of component, but also a leisure, enjoyment, recharging your batteries component. It might be reading a book. It might be going to a cafe and having a cup of coffee. It might be a whole range of different things. Golf would be one of my things, for example. And then looking to keep some of that going with some kind of regularity. And then if people are missing out on those things, that can be a bit of a warning sign that there'll be
0: risk of more strain ahead without keeping that formula going. And I know you mentioned it in context of, say, clients who get a lot out of that, and I'm sure you'd probably echo these sentiments, but it strikes me that as we talk about this, it's probably going to be good for everyone to have these kind of self-care practices and routines in place to help us out for that exact reason that you're talking about, like I can even think back to, you know, maybe when I was a little bit younger and, you know, maybe a bit more arrogant in some ways and, you know, thought I was a bit invincible here and there and, you know, I almost thought, you no know, I'm, I'm sort of going, okay, I don't need to necessarily do anything extra to, you know, care for myself in certain situations. But then I suppose as you get a little bit older and, you know, maybe the whips and scorns of time, for lack of a better term, sort of add up in certain ways and you realise that these practices and these routines that you have for yourself are really so important. And that's even when you are going well. Like There is almost that aspect of, you know, you you fix a leaky roof when it's raining. It strikes me that even when you are feeling good within yourself, well, there can be this maybe stress building up underneath the surface in a little way. And so even in those situations when you're feeling good, it's still important to have these self-care routines and these practices that we have to alleviate some of these stresses that are on us, even if we may not recognize them at that time. Yes, and actually another thing that I was reminded by when
1: you are talking then about our kind of individualised ways of dealing with things too, like having our own personalised understanding of what works for us, it also helps to be aware of our personal areas of vulnerability. Where are we likely to run into a little bit more difficulty? Now this relates closely to what we covered in recent weeks in our podcasts on schema therapy where we look at certain kind of patterns that come up. For example unrelenting standards or perfectionism might be a pattern that adds to certain people's vulnerability you and I related to that particular one for example and recognised at times we could put more pressure on ourselves than necessary or was worth it now if you learn that that's a particular susceptibility then you can look to address that and find ways of for example pairing back on those internal demands when it's not so necessary kind of thing Other people might notice that their thinking goes in a bit of a pessimistic direction. So that might be an area of vulnerability to look at addressing that. Some people might notice that in their relationships they're a little bit more mistrustful than others than maybe they need to be. And so looking to alter that in certain ways. Some people might notice that they tend to maybe avoid social situations more than is optimal for them. So a bit of that social isolation schema might be something that comes up. Now... When we were highlighting those areas of vulnerability, it's a bit like what engineers do. Again, they look at, for example, playground equipment or, say, a bridge, and they think, what are the parts that are coming under the most pressure? What are the parts that might be most vulnerable? What can we do to reinforce that part? Make it stronger, make it thicker metal or a stronger piece of wood or something like that kind of thing. In other words, it's planning for that so, less likely to get the strain, the, the plastic strain, it keeps on bending and stays out of shape or it breaks. Now, the idea of schema therapy, when often we're not so aware of those areas of maybe life traps or potential vulnerability, schema therapy is to help us be more aware of our vulnerability points if there are ways that we might experience. More strain, like we've got maybe an excessive concern about approval from other people and fear of disapproval. That's another kind of classic kind of area. When we're aware of those points of vulnerability and we look to do something to address that, and our schema podcasts help with that when it's a longer term personality pattern. When, as you say, we've got our own formula also recharging our batteries and also reducing stress levels, that kind of thing, or, or reducing our arousal level to help reverse the strain, so to speak, then that's when
0: we're more likely to continue on without undue uh, difficulty. Well, I think that's a, a really good point. And the other thing that I would almost add to that as well is to, I suppose, recognise that there are things that we can do too, whether it be reinforce ourselves in a certain way or to give us maybe more strength in a certain situation. Like, it's not as if we've got our, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better term, you know, we've got our bridge that's basically just built and that's susceptible to all the forces that are going to be placed on it like there are things that we can do as you say there to strengthen the bridge and maybe give us a little bit more resilience in certain situations like there are practices that we can put in place there are supports that we can call upon it's not as if that this stuff's fixed and obviously the stresses that we go through in our life are going to change over the course of time but we can also do something to do that as well like we can boost our resources in a certain way or as i say just maybe call upon certain things to reduce the demands that we have on us and then as we go through we can you know strengthen our bridge up and over time maybe deal with more forces in different ways like whether it be you know the more burdens on us we can be maybe pulled apart in different directions and not get to that maybe breaking point, and maybe not even get to that straining point as well.
1: Yes, I think a lot of it is about that awareness that you're suggesting, that insight. So we're talking about strengthening our resilience to stress and strain. A lot of it is awareness. Have some awareness. Just notice when there does seem to be a bit of escalation of stress on us, which was like all of us early in the pandemic – But there are other daily ways that it might come up or there might be a month that has more demands to it in different ways. Just noticing that, noticing our signs of strain. What are some ways that we can see that it's visible to ourselves or others that we are showing signs of that stress on us? There's some kind of shift in our behaviour, our thoughts, our mood, our interactions with others, our routines. So being open to noticing that. And if we do notice those signs, can we reduce the demands on us in some way? Can we draw on supports a little bit more? Can we in some ways reinforce our ways of withstanding that by looking at our behaviours? Have we kept our formula going of our usual routines? These are the kind of principles that are involved in noticing our past history. When have we managed with things and got by okay so the temporary stress was not a bad thing we actually grew from it we gained from it when were times when we maybe went too far and didn't respond early enough to deal with the stresses that were on us so we did show more strain for a period of time it's just noticing those patterns over time and this is where there's a great bonus being a human rather than inanimate object we can learn We can learn from those past patterns. We're more, if you like, of an open system, like a rock is a closed system. It doesn't kind of learn or change so much in relation to its environment. Whereas a human being, we can take in information, we can adapt, we can shift our ways of dealing with things, and that's the idea of strengthening our resilience through awareness, noticing
0: those patterns, and learning from past experience. Well, I think they're all great points and uh, it's a bit of a different way to be looking at some of this sort of stuff and it's been enjoyable, it's almost taken me back to my Lego days, Dad, when I was a, a bit of a budding engineer in in maybe using the Lego box, but uh, it's been very interesting to go through these topics maybe in this context and, and get a little bit more out of them. So as I mentioned earlier, I will put up particularly the discerning our stress signature episode onto. The episode page for today at psychspiels.com.au, you can access that one. And just off the top of my head, I'm sure there's a couple of other episodes that will relate to this topic as well. But Dad, thanks for chatting with me about all this today. It's been an interesting topic and I'll look forward to the next one. Good, thanks Rowan. And I wonder if I can finish with one final thought.
1: I think most of our listeners and ourselves as well, if you think of the times in your life We've gone through the greatest growth, like change in a positive direction, but things really advanced in our maturity or the way we went about things in certain ways. I reckon there are a whole lot of those situations which would have followed on from some difficulty. In other words, when we're, again, an open living system, things tend to develop buy at times there has to be a coming apart of the old way to make something new and hey you mentioned lego just say if you've used all your lego blocks to make kind of like a plane but it's a pretty crappy kind of plane like one of the ones i would have made when you were a little kid a pretty crappy plane then say you're trying to make something a little bit more advanced again hey you've got to take all the blocks apart to then put the elements together in a new way for a new advance and i think that's a little bit what it's like for Us as humans as well, I think it's a little bit like Nietzsche said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. In other words, there may have been strain. It may even have lasted for a period of time. Hey, actually, we might have even experienced a breaking point like I did. And yet, beyond that, there might be things learnt that are very valuable And basically we can reform ourselves in a new way with a lot of the good things that were before but adding some things to it as well like many people do when they come through depression. So that's one thing as a psychologist that's very uplifting. You see many people who go through even breaking points and in the long run getting themselves back together in a new way with something gained from the process. Even if there was something lost in the meantime as well, often what's gained in the understanding, the appreciation, the growth that can, for many people, more than make up for it. And I certainly found that in my experience.
0: Well, that's a great point to finish on, Dad. And again, thanks for chatting with me about all this today and I'm looking forward to the next one.
1: Look forward to it, Rowan.